0: The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley.
1: Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again this week as we preview the Super Bowl between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe it's going to be a very exciting matchup as we know The high-powered offense of the Chiefs, the very stingy defense of the 49ers, and I'm a defensive guy, so I always uh, appreciate teams who are very sound defensively, but I think this is going to be a very exciting and interesting matchup come Sunday afternoon at 5.30. Now, I have a few guests on today's show. One is Rex Ruiz, who... He's been on my show before, one of the previous episodes, talking about his San Francisco 49ers, and he's a native of the state of California. We'll hear from him later in this episode. But first, you're going to hear from my cousin, Dresden Williams. You've heard me speak about him a couple times, giving examples uh, when he played football for the University of West Alabama. He had a teammate who played in the Super Bowl a few years ago, and he has a teammate that's playing in the Super Bowl this Sunday. Here's what he had to say. Dresden, man, I appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot again, man. I'm glad to have you back on the show.
2: Oh, uh, Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor, man. It's an honor, man.
1: So tell me, for uh, Super Bowl 54, what are your plans to watch the game?
2: Man, the plans are to watch with family, but if all else fails, man, we'll just be at home with the kids and with the baby girl and stuff, man, just enjoying the game from there. We'll just see how it happens.
1: Now, Dresden, I remember leading up to Super Bowl 49 with the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots, you kept talking about your former teammate Malcolm Butler. Watch out for Malcolm Butler, yeah, and right. uh, he made the play of the game and probably the biggest play of his career when he inter- intercepted Russell Wilson at the one-yard line to seal that championship for the New England Patriots. Talk about how exciting that was for the West Alabama Tiger program. I mean, dude,
2: that was a um, that was a monumental play, honestly, man. That play, for one, it goes down in history. And two man, that play is like uh it's like he said, man. He um he played for that play for a long time. He seen that play somewhere throughout the season, he said, and watched film on it, man. And that play just so happened to just, you know, it happened in, in in the real game, man. So just preparation made that play. And also, man, it was just his moment. It was just his moment to, you know, become who he is now. And man, it just really put West Alabama on the map, man. And, really put us in position to, you know, keep putting players in the league like we're doing now. You got Seth Roberts and Tyreek, of course, and Deion Lacey. Um, it's, it's a couple of more guys, man. And today, that is XFL. Not XFL, but um, the CFL, man. And, you know, just, they, they keep putting players out, man. And that that was just a stepping stone to a, a newer beginning for West Alabama and Livingston, Alabama as a whole. So, man, that play was – that play did a lot of things for that school and for Coach Gilliland and Coach Hall and, like, for people like that. It really gave them a name for who they are now. And, you know, now they're just really, really living off their success, and so it was Malcolm. So it's pretty cool, man. It was a pretty cool thing.
1: Now you mentioned Tyreek Hill's name, uh, who will be playing in this Sunday's game for the Kansas City Chiefs, wearing number 10. Uh, talk about, man, the moment we, the team realized or found out that he was coming to Livingston, man. Man,
2: um, honestly, like, of course, he's, he didn't have the name he has now, but he was known for that big play against Oklahoma. And he took that partner turn back to win the game, and that really, like, put his name in the books as far as who he is today. They gave him a name from there, but, of course, the incident that happened with his girlfriend and all that, which that's enough for me to speak on, which, you know, he taught us about a lot of that, and, you know, we got the other side of the story and all this. So we knew it really happened, but, you know, as far as I can go with it, but, I mean... He got past all that and now he is who he is now. But for him coming into the school at that time, man, we didn't understand who what we were getting. But we did see in practice, like man, we seen like a lot of drills, one on one drills with wide receivers, seen how you could pull away from guys and sometimes he would toy with guys in certain drills, you know, get the ball run with it slow, take a time and then they get close, you just speed up on them, like some like Mr. Incredible Jack Jack type stuff, man, honestly, man. But you know, it was pretty cool to see that and Man, once it got to game one, and of course, you were there for that game, and man, he, he, he really showed what he can do as far as up pump returns back and kick returns and just, you know, catching slants and bubble routes and just taking it, you know, taking it to the house. It was like, man, this dude can play. And as the season went on, man, and, you know, we've seen it in practice, but of course, in game, man, like, he, he won a lot of games for us. Well, I'll say that, man. He Without him, my senior season, I don't think we would have. Even come close to the success that we did have, you know, if, if, we, if we would not have had him on that squad. So that dude, like, I, we knew he was special, but once Andy Reed got a hold of him, man, it just, man, it's him and Pat Mahomes, they're just a dangerous connection, man. I, I just love to see, I love seeing that, man.
1: Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, me being at one of the games, uh, and I remember being right there next to the sideline, right next uh, to where y'all were sitting. And I remember you looking dead at me and me like, Corey, watch this. He better take this punt return back. Tyreek better run his back. And, man, <laughs> sure enough, dude, he fielded that punt and was gone, man. I was yes, I man. was just, like, just blown away. I was like, Dresden just said it, man. You was like, I told you, man. I told you. I told you he's going to run that turn, return back, what, man.
2: What and so, was funny, <laughs> Corey, what was funny about that play is, like I told you, that, all, that whole sequence happened. But I almost screwed the play up because I got to celebrate myself, jumping around, and I ended up running into a ref because I was in the field goal team. Also, I was in the field goal team with extra point. So when that happened, I ended up bumping into a ref and getting the penalty thrown on me for, um, you know, for running into the ref. But that didn't negate the uh, touchdown, so the touchdown stood and all that. But I almost blew the play, I will say I almost blew it, man. <laughs> but that was that was that was a crazy moment, man. It was just a pretty great thing, man. And after that play, it was like that just led up to more and more after that. He took back many kicker turns and permanent turns from there, man. And people who wanna watch that, they can see that all on YouTube, man. The dude is phenomenal. Dude is awesome. So yeah, man, it was awesome.
1: So of course we know how fast Tariq's legs are, of course. We we know that. But you told me before there's a certain part of his body, when it gets to moving fast, you can forget it. He, he's gone. What part of his body is that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would say that was his hand and arm. When that hand and arm got to wound, when he wound that hand up, he was getting around the corner or he was about to make a move on somebody and boom, up the field. That's all it was, man. Once he got that hand in motion, it was done. It was a done deal. And then, of course, he, he did the, the patented peace sign that he went to the end zone. And he started at the West Alabama, and now he does it now, and everyone loves to see it. So that's all that was, man. That's That dude is – he was a treat, man. He's a, he was a great dude, man. I'm glad to have been – had the honor of playing beside him as well in the same team, same offense. Led to a lot of his touchdowns. I like, mean, it was just awesome, man. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I never uh, paid attention to his hand and arm, man, until you mentioned it. And ever since then, when I see him running. That's the one thing I'm looking at is that one arm just <laughs> moving fast, man, in, 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 a, in a quick pace uh motion, man. So uh, I, I'm laughing every time I watch it now. Every time I see him make a big play, I'm watching his arm as, uh, as fast as it moves, just as his legs, you know. Now. Um, yes, sir. Now with Tyreek, man, you know, like so we, we spoke on him, uh, the success that he's had. They have a, a big matchup this Sunday against one of the best defenses we've seen in recent years, with the San Francisco Forty Uh, What's your thoughts in that game, man? Who do you think will be taking home the Lombardi Trophy come Sunday night?
2: Man, I um, that's it's going to be a tough game, man. It's going to be a hard fought game, man. The Niners, their defense, man, their passing defense for one is phenomenal. And The pass rush, man, dude, that's that's going to be the key. If they can get the pass rush on Pat Mahomes and you know get him off his on, um, get him off his game it they can, they can lead to a lot of bad things for that offense. But as we've seen with the Kansas City offense, they can be down 17, they can be down 24, and they're going to come back and make something happen. They have to end the playoffs. So, man, we can't count Kansas City out. That defense... You can't count out anything they have on offense. Of court Like they said, we got Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes, man. They got Nicole Hardman man. They got a lot of players on that team. Travis Kelsey, man. It's just going to be a, a day of the tight ends is what I see, man. I see the tight ends getting a lot of action in this game, man. And it's going to lead to a lot of big plays in the run. And we just do. We really don't know. I really cannot give you a, a surefire winner. But I'm predicting that the Chiefs will win. I got I to gotta go with the home team. I got to go with my teammate, man, and hope that he can get another ring for home. West Alabama. It'd be great to see. It'd be great to see. So I do see them hopefully coming out with the win. But as we as, we, as I just said, man, you really never know, man. These are two high-powered offenses and two great defenses. So you know, on the, on, only the game will tell, man. It's so only the game will tell.
1: Addressing man, I appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot again, man. I'm always glad to have you on the show, and you know, just thank you for just being open and sharing your personal experiences, what you've been through uh, on the show, man. And so it definitely means a lot to me, and man good luck with everything Uh, I know Sunday is going to be an exciting game for everybody watching but especially with you watching somebody who's been through the thick and thin, the battles the grinding, the practices, the away games, everything that's involved with being a college student athlete man. so uh, I'm excited to see Sunday's Sunday night's matchup
2: yes sir man thanks for having me man it's an honor man I, I wish you well with the success of this show as well man big love to you
1: man have a good one Now that was Dresden Williams, who played football at the University of West Alabama, speaking on Tyreek Hill, Malcolm Butler, and what they've done for the West Alabama football program with their success in the NFL. Now you heard heard Dresden pick the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. And just giving a few notes on the Chiefs, uh, Patrick Mahomes is 46 for 70 with 615 yards in this postseason with eight touchdowns and zero interceptions. Uh, you know. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? He's a phenomenal quarterback, a star. He's a star. He's already won MVP, went through uh, 50 touchdowns last season. Um, There isn't really much this guy can't do, whether it's with his arm or that outstanding run he had against the Titans in the AFC Conference Championship game. Mahomes just finds a way to get it done. Now, for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're second in yards per attempt. So when they throw the ball, they're throwing it downfield and they're getting yards after catch. So whenever they are taking shots, it's usually deep down the field. Now, I'll tell you, the 49ers are also second in yards per attempt. These two teams tie in that statistical category, but the 49ers do it a little bit differently. They're not really a throwing team. They're a run first team and they play action off of that. So when they throw the ball, they're also looking to take shots down the field with Kendrick Bourne and Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, and the best tight end in the game, George Kittle. So that's an area where they, these two teams, look to do the same thing. They just go about it in different ways. Now, for Patrick Mahomes, like I said, there isn't much that he can't do. But I tell you, he's not really good when teams are choosing to uh, only rush four or fewer. Guys on the defensive front. So he's actually better against the blitz. You know, we always think about the blitz when you, you bring more guys and the offensive line can handle quarterbacks that they're, they're frazzled. They usually make mistakes. Well, against Mahomes, he's actually a, a lot better when you decide to blitz them. So when a defensive front only rushes four or fewer, that's when he's thrown 16 of his 17 interceptions going back to 2018. So, this is huge for the San Francisco 49ers defense because they don't need to blitz with their front four with D Ford and Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, uh, Nick Bosa. They have that group up front that they can rotate in and out, and they get their pass rush from their front four, so they don't need to bring the blitz from linebackers like Fred Warner and Dre Green- Greenlaw, excuse me, and Quan Alexander. So this. Uh, It's going to be, I think, an intricate part to watch in the game to see the 49ers. Can they continue to get that pass rush from their front forward and not need to blitz? Not saying that they won't blitz, because I believe there will be probably a time in the game where you'll see, uh, you know, Robert Sala come up with a defensive kind of blitz that you haven't seen. Maybe he's been saving all season. Maybe something they use sparingly. But uh, I think they'll maybe pick their spots and choose. Win the blitz, Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes, he leads their team in rushing this postseason, which really says they're not a running team, which is really true because they're the six fewest. Uh, they had the six fewest rushing attempts all season. Kansas City did, and this is really more about Andy Reid's coaching style and his play calling. He's never been a run first guy. I mean, you think back back to his days in Philadelphia, and this used to bug the stew out of me when. You know, I was following the Eagles a lot because of Donovan McNabb. Andy Reid didn't like to run the ball, and you had one of the best running backs in the league at the time with Brian Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook is a guy who can make plays in the running game, in the receiving game. But Andy Reid, like I said, it'll be games where Westbrook would have four carries, and I'm just thinking, like, what are you doing? You have one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he's not getting the carries that he should. So, Patrick Mahomes leading his team in rushing is more so of play calling and coaching style as opposed to the Chiefs' inability to run the ball. Because I, I think they can run the ball fine. It's just Andy Reid chooses not to uh, put the ball in the ball carrier's hands often. He'd rather have his quarterback you know, throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. So speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs' rushing game, we talked about them offensively. Defensively, they're the seventh worst rush defense in the NFL. So the question going into the Super Bowl for them will be, can they stop that running game of the 49ers where Mostert and Coleman and Breda and Wilson? Can they stop that running game? Because that's what San Francisco wants to do. They're going to run, run, and run. And everything they do starts with the run. So I think that's going to be the biggest question mark for Kansas City in the game period, can they stop the run? Because if they can't stop the run that Kyle Shanahan will bring on Sunday afternoon, then the Chiefs will have a very long day because that running game sets up the play action that everything uh, Shanahan wants to do with Garoppolo and Kittle and Bourne and Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel, all the different playmakers that they have, it all starts with having an efficient running game. Now, the Chiefs... We've known them to be this great, high-powered offense, which they are. And they do have some serious burners with, you know, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman, who went to Georgia, Travis Kelsey, who, like I said, Kittle's the best. This team will put up some big plays. They'll put up some points. As great as the 49ers' defense is, you know, whenever you go against a great offense, you're going to lose a few of those battles. Uh, So we'll see how that plays out come Sunday at 530. But – this offense, like we talked about, we saw earlier in this postseason when they were down twenty-four to zero against the Houston Texans, and then they outscored Houston fifty-one to seven the rest of the way. So you're down by more than three touchdowns, and then you still beat that t- beat that team by twenty points. So this is a team that when they catch fire, they catch fire, and you can't help them out in any way. So no ceiling penalties, no turnovers. You really have to play an efficient game offensively and defensively to keep Mahomes and that crew out of the end zone time and time again. And in that game that I was just alluding to, the Houston-Kansas City game and the divisional round, Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdowns in the second quarter. Like, in the second quarter alone, he had four touchdowns. So, like I said, once they get rolling, they get multiple opportunities on the field, and you don't want to get into a shootout with this team because you'll lose that 10 out of 10 times now when we return we're going to pick up and talk about the 49ers side of things don't go anywhere you're listening to the joy fm sports it's more than a game Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, and I have a very special guest with me today, Rex Ruiz, who he's been on the show before, a native of the state of California, a huge San Francisco 49ers fan. Rex, man, thank you for being in the studio with me today.
0: It's my pleasure. Good to see you again.
1: Now, Rex, I understand you have a few former 49ers in your family. Uh, Talk about your Four-legged uh, <laughs> members in your family, it's in your household. So
0: that's that's a true story. We <laughs> we, we have pugs, we have pugs, and uh, we had, our first pug, his name was King Bubba, and he sired puppies who we named Joe Montana and Dwight Clark. And then recently, we uh, got another puppy. It was a gift from my wife for my 60th birthday, and his name is Ronnie Lott.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what was uh, what was Tess's uh, feeling when you decided to name? Uh, the pugs after former or uh, San Francisco 49ers. Well, players. it's kind of a
0: rite of marriage. I had to adopt <laughs> Auburn and she adopted the San Francisco teams.
1: Now, Rex, uh, when you were on the show previously, um, you know, we talked about the NFL and the surprising teams in the NFL at the time. You know, I had my friend Chris Liusi on the show, huge Colts fan. Didn't quite go the same way that your 49ers uh, season has taken place, but. Talk about the journey that this team has had throughout this year that's led to this Super Bowl appearance.
0: So back then, I, I think that was after week seven. Um, when we talked, you asked me what I attributed the, the keys to success. and obviously the management was was the biggest part, uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I also alluded to the sense of the team, camaraderie. They're, they're just they seemed a good fit. everyone's happy. And as the year progressed, a a different facet of that team aspect came to light. And that was the depth that they showed because we sustained a lot of injuries on on both sides of the ball. Uh, The offensive line got nicked up, as did the linebacker crew, as well as the secondary. And the, the type of injuries we had could have proved devastating to a lot of teams, but due to our depth, we had rookies stepping in and filling in. And, you know, it, it was pretty much seamless. And, and the real blessing in all of that was that as these youngsters filled in, the guys who were injured had time to recuperate and get better. And, oh, by the way, they all seemed to get healthy just mm-hmm. at the right time of the year for the, for the playoff run. So certainly the depth of our team would would, would be, in my mind, a key.
1: Now, at what point in the season did you realize as a fan, okay, we have a legitimate shot of making a true run this year?
0: Um, I think the, the last stretch when we had some really tough games, season games, we played well, we played Seattle twice and we had to play Minnesota. Well, that was in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but we also had Green Bay in the regular season. And then, of course, the epic game was was New Orleans, which, you know, we're playing in the Superdome and it was back and forth a shootout, which we were fortunate enough to win. So right about then, I thought, you know, we've beaten the best teams that we've played so we could do okay in the playoffs and hopefully make it to the Super Bowl.
1: You know, Jimmy G, I know you spoke on him uh, in the previous show that we had together Talk about his progression and what you've seen through his uh, just his growth this season.
0: So, so back at that time frame, I told you. I said uh, sheepishly, you asked what what was our biggest need for improvement, and yeah, yeah. I said, I hate to say this, but it's Jimmy G. And the reason being is that, as talented as he was or is, um, he kind of had some suspect decision making in in terms of throwing ill advised passes. And I told you back then that he needed to get over that. He needed to get over the hump. And I also told you back then that I love the guy. Yeah. I consider him a gamer and a leader. And, and, and I think he has vastly improved in the decision process making. And he's also, you know, as has been illustrated in the playoffs, he's a team guy because everyone's making a big deal because he's only thrown for 208 yards in the playoffs but they asked him, you know, what do you feel about that? He goes, well, we don't need to. We're, <laughs> we're running the ball so well, there's no need. So, you know, he's really stepped it up, and I expect big things from him on Sunday.
1: Now, speaking of Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, starting quarterback for the 49ers, he said his ACL injury last year was actually a blessing in disguise for the team because that 4-12 and record led to the number 2 pick where they selected Nick Bosa. Has there been any, any other blessings in the sky with this uh, 49er comeback and the tradition that they've built, and here they are again, you know, vying for their six NAS- uh, six Super Bowl championship
0: again? I'm I'm going to go back to the, the the biggest blessing that this team has, and and it's it's actually been present over the last three years, even when we weren't winning. Is the, is the the sense of team teammates and camaraderie that has come out of this, and for him to for him to talk about having a really bad bad injury like that, but he was happy because we ended up with Nick Bosa yeah. you know that that's that's pretty uh pretty deep.
1: Now, what do you like about head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan? What yeah, is it, everything. Everything. So what is it you like most about him? I mean, because he's done an excellent job, he, not just as he's, a head coach. He's,
0: but... he's just, he's got a, a great football mind. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody asked him the other day if he considered himself a guru, which I do, but he, he, he says, no, I, I do not. I just consider myself a guy who works real, real hard and oh, by the way, I don't do it alone. He gave credit to his assistant coaches, and oh, by the way, the players. So you know he he's 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 got a very very good football mind. Tries a lot of different things, a lot of misdirection, couple trick plays as we've seen. Yeah, yeah. But uh he's he's got it going on.
1: Yeah, I, I love Kyle Shanahan. Just his play calling, like you said, the misdirections. I've Talked about his play calling on previous shows. Just it'll look the same, but it's a different counter from that formation that you hadn't seen yet. I mean, even using Kyle Usechek at the fullback in the passing game as well. I mean, he does an excellent job of getting different players involved throughout the game. You never know who's going to make the play. It could be Kendrick Bourne. It could be Debo Samuel. It could be Emmanuel Sanders. George Kittle, the best tight end in the game, absolutely. Uh, so I love Kyle Shanahan, and and I think you even look at. The downfall of the Atlanta Falcons, they haven't been the same since Kyle Shanahan was offensive coordinator there uh, when they made that Super Bowl run where they had that 28-3 to lead and kind of, you know, the Patriots came back and had a historic comeback in that game. But even uh, the other day I was reading an article where Kyle Shanahan spoke on Bill Belichick reaching out to him uh, after that game. You know, so he said it meant a lot to him just to have someone of Belichick's caliber reach out to him you know, kind of give him some advice or just, you know, keep your head uh, You know, it's going to be brighter days. And and here we are just a few years later in the Super Bowl. uh It's been impressive of what that Absolutely. front uh,
0: You know, by the way, in the same vein, a guy named Tom Brady reached out to Jimmy G the other day. And uh he just wished him luck. He says go out and win it.
1: Man, uh I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be, I think, it's a very intriguing matchup because you have the high-powered offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. The 49ers score points too, but everybody know their calling card, especially with Kyle Shanahan is you know run the ball, play good defense, and they're one of the best defenses we've seen in recent years. Now, this week leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, I haven't been in this position in a while where I'm anticipating one of my favorite sports teams in, the, in, a, in a championship game or a championship series. You know, I think look back in the 2014 was the last time. I've been in the position where my San Antonio Spurs beat the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals that year. That same year, UConn, my UConn Huskies beat the Kentucky Wildcats in the college uh, national championship. Wow. So I haven't been in this, in the seat that you're in, uh, you know, literally or figuratively, in a long time. So talk about your feelings, your nerves as you anticipate this matchup for Sunday.
0: Well, first of all, I'm very nervous. I'm, I told you earlier, I was cautious, cautiously optimistic, but, you know, anything can happen, as you know. Um, what I would have really liked to have happen is not to have two weeks in between the last two games because, you know, back in the day, there was just a week and it was just bing, bing, you get ready, you go play again and, you know, you, you win your last playoff game and now it's time to play the Super Bowl. But this extra week, it just it just grades on the nerves a little bit it's great for the players though they get to to rest and fully get healthy for both teams
1: now we uh let's see the the game Raheem Mostert had against the Green Bay Packers I mean going over 200 rushing yards four touchdowns in the game first time that's ever been done uh talk about this running back by committee that the 49ers has uh how impressive has it been seeing just that, co- that group collectively get the job done?
0: It's been super impressive. I mean, you've got there's four of them, actually. Yeah. they got Tevin Coleman, and you mentioned Raheem Mostert, and, and Matt Breida. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Wilson, Jr., when, when uh, I think it was Breida got nicked up one week, he came off the, the practice squad, and I think he had two touchdowns. Yeah. They're all young. They, they, they like sharing the ball. They can catch the ball as well as run the ball. And uh, it's been seamless as far as the, you know, they're, they're like cogs in a machine. You can put one in and the machine keeps running smoothly without noticing any change.
1: Now, Rex, if you were designing the game plan against this Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs team, how would you attack them offensively and defensively?
0: So, offensively, I hope we'd start by running, yeah. hopefully running yeah. and and then I would tend to start using play action passes sooner than later. In other words, I wouldn't I wouldn't divorce the passing game. I would I'd run the ball as much as I could, mixing in some some play action passes and, you know, reverses as well mm-hmm. on the ground. As far as defensively, Well, first of all, we need to pray. (laughs) We need need to pray to to contain uh, Mr. Mahomes. He's just just special. He is. He's special. But I I do truly believe we can shut down their run game. And based on that, if we know he's passing, then, then put some pressure on him and make him as uncomfortable as possible. That's easier said than done, but that would be what I think Mr. Sal is thinking.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, speaking of how special Patrick Mahomes is, I was reading an article about about a week or two ago, and his dad, who played in the MLB as a pitcher, said that when he was coaching one of uh, Patrick's team as a youth baseball player, and they were beating the team really bad. And so he said Patrick said he was going up to the plate to hit left-handed. He's a right-handed hitter, but he was going to the plate to hit left-handed, and then he hit a home run over the fence hitting left-handed, you know, as a, as, a, as a kid. And so his dad said that's when he knew that his sons was going to be very special. Um, I don't know if anybody anticipated him being this special. I um, mean, as great as he's been, um, he's thrown eight touchdowns this postseason, zero interceptions. But I'll tell you, you mentioned about, you know, getting pressure on him. He's actually better against the Blitz. You know, so the fact that the 49ers don't need to blitz to get pass rush with D Ford and Armstead, Buckner, uh, Bosa, Solomon Thomas, I think that bodes well for the 49ers that hey, they can choose when to blitz and be timely in that blitz as well. Right. Yeah. Right, hopefully, hope,
0: like you said, hopefully they can put a lot of pressure on them without even blitzing. Yes. And I think they can.
1: Yeah. Now, um, what do you think will be the deciding factor in this game? Like when it when it's all said and done, whether it's a 49ers win or a 49ers loss, what do you think will be the deciding factor? As will it be something in the box score, turnover related, or what do you feel will be that breaking point or the uh, successive point for them as well when it comes to? I the truly, game? I
0: truly think and I hope the deciding yeah. factor is going to be our defense, yeah. whether it be stopping him. Mahomes and and the rest of his teammates initially, or as as you've seen in most of their games recently, they get behind big, and and Mahomes doesn't get phased and he can bring them right back. I do think that if if we were lucky enough to get a lead early, we could hold that lead yeah. because we got a better defense than he's seen yet.
1: And I think also, like you said, getting a lead, trusting the defense. Maybe eating clock, well, sure. keeping my homes off the field. You know, having that strategy. I think that they'll probably what, try that that's approach to approach. That's what
0: those running backs by committee—that's <laughs> their job.
1: Rex, man, I truly appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot again, and I'm always glad to have you on the show. And you know, good luck to your Niners, and man, let me know the next time you make that t- T-Rex chili of yours, man. You know, yes, uh sir. As I'm telling you, it's some of the best chili I've had, and I'm not even a big chili eater, but that's some good stuff, man.
0: Well, listen, Corey, again, it's a pleasure, A pleasure, and uh, thank you very much. I, I, I had a good time, and it's always good to see you.
1: So that was Rex Ruiz, native state of California, living here in Dothan, Alabama now. Like I said, he's a long time San Francisco 49ers fan. I know he's super excited for this game. Uh, and a lot of butterflies, as you could tell during the interview as he anticipates maybe the sixth championship for the 49ers, can they pull it out? Will they tie the Patriots for the most uh, Super Bowl wins in, in NFL history? Now, for the 49ers, just some interesting stats and facts for them. San Francisco had three players to go over 500 yards in the regular season. 500 rushing yards, I should say. There's Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, and Tevin Coleman. The Chiefs had none. So this goes back to me when I was talking about Andy Reid and uh, he doesn't like to run the ball. He's want, He wants to sling it. He's going to throw it down the field and throw it down field and throw it down the field. The 49ers are a lot different. They are a running team, like I mentioned. They had three guys go over 500 yards in the regular season, and this is a running back by committee that you heard Rex Ruiz speak about. Uh, he even mentioned Jeff Wilson and the Uh, what he attributed or contributed, I should say, in the running game this year when his name was called. Now for Raheem Mostert, uh, he had 220 yards in the NFC Championship game against the Packers. Like I mentioned in the interview, he became the first player to have at least 200 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game. So, like I said, you just don't know who's going to have that moment for San Francisco because they have so many playmakers, so many guys that Shanahan trusts. To, to get the job done. So I think that's going to be a huge challenge for this Kansas City defense. You can't really pinpoint one player to stop or one player to target because they have so many guys on that side of the ball for the 49ers who uh, could end up being the MVP if the 49ers win this game. Now, continuing the rushing theme, San Francisco has only allowed 83 rushing yards in this postseason. That's the second fewest given up by a team in a single postseason. The team who had the fewest, uh, less than that, I should say, was the Baltimore Ravens back in 2014. So you could say that the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, his M.O. is to run the ball and stop the run. But in this game, it's kind of a moot point because the Chiefs had the six fewest rushing attempts. Like I mentioned, they don't run the ball they don't run the ball. They do not run the ball. So, stopping the run won't be a big issue for the 49ers. It's really going to be about controlling Mahomes, keeping him, keep limiting the the big plays downfield because you know they're going to take shots and they do a great job with the motion and the misdirection and getting Tyreek Hill in space and things like that. And Nicole Hartman, who I spoke about earlier. Uh, So, This, Like I said, it's a moot point with the 49ers of stopping the run in this game. It really won't be about that for that defense. And I've mentioned before that I'm old school when it comes to football. So I like to run the ball, play good defense, control the clock. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan does. He is a run-first guy. uh, To the point where San Francisco had the second fewest pass attempts in the NFL this year. So that lets you know that this is what he chooses to do. This is by design. We're going to run the ball. This is not about Jimmy Garoppolo. This is about us running the ball, eating clock, taking play-action shots down the field, and then playing great defense as they do. Uh, San Francisco had the second-best rush offense all year long. And like I said, they have it by committee where you don't know who gets the ball. It doesn't matter who's getting the ball it's like plug and replace one guy goes down next guy steps up we're going to keep moving the ball on the ground and so like I said when you run the ball like I said that eats up clock San Francisco was fourth highest in time of possession so we look at it their second fewest in pass attempts second best rush offense and their fourth highest in time of possession so that's like I said what Kyle Shanahan does as far as his 49ers is really how I like to play myself I I'm run the ball, I'm going to play good defense, I'm going to eat the clock, keep you off the field, and still score touchdowns uh, when we have the ball in our possession. So, people have talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's only totaled uh, 27 pass attempts in these playoffs, and there are two wins over the Vikings where they beat them by 17, their win over the, against the Packers where they beat them by 17. Garoppolo only attempted 27 pass attempts. Not completed, he only attempted 27 pass attempts. And we saw that same success that the Titans had running the ball with Derrick Henry. Tannehill didn't throw the ball much against Baltimore. He didn't throw the ball much against the Patriots. Now, I think this game could be a lot different for San Francisco. Uh, Garoppolo may be asked to throw a little more. I mean, the 27 pass attempts in two games, you don't see that often. And so, like I said, with the Chiefs' quick strike ability – Garoppolo may be asked to take a few more shots downfield, especially if you want to kind of – because, of course, the Chiefs are looking to stop the run. They know what the 49ers do well. So a way to counter that is keep them off balance, throw on first down, take shots early and often, um, you know, kind of like what Rex Ruiz mentioned in the interviews, you know, go play action early, you know. Throw the Chiefs off guard. You know, you want to keep defenses guessing because they understand your tendencies and what you like to do best as your strengths, as well as what your weaknesses are also. So the Niners in that game against the Packers, against the Vikings, they control the game with their run, with their great defense, so that, like I said, the passing game wasn't needed. But I'm telling you, this is a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo will need to make a pass or two if they want to come through on top. Like I said, he may not have big passing numbers, but there will be a time throughout this game where he has to make one or two crucial throws. We've, we saw it with Eli Manning to Mario Manningham uh, when they beat the Patriots. we seen with Eli Manning when he hit David Tyree on the catch on his helmet. I mean, those are just plays that have to be made in this type of game, especially if it tends to be a close one. Um, ben Roethlisberger, his touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes in the corner of the end zone to beat the Cardinals in that Super Bowl that one year. Uh, Tom Brady to Julian Edelman that served as a catalyst on that 28-3 to come-from-behind victory. And I think the Falcons are still in a hangover, so to speak, with the way that game went down with them having that 28-3 to lead, losing 34-28 to in overtime, and so what I'm saying is Jimmy G, If he, even though he hasn't been asked to do much in these playoffs and he's a win-first guy, you heard Rex talk about that, it's all about getting a W, there will be a time where he'll need to make a play in the passing game. Now, keeping on the passing game, but for the defensive side of things for the 49ers, the key for them is going to be the pass rush. Uh, San Francisco had 48 regular season sacks. 41 came from Lyman. So that lets you know, like what I've talked about, they do not have to blitz to get pressure. They have an amazing uh, front four rotation of group of guys. They drafted. They drafted Eric Armstead. They drafted DeForest Buckner. They drafted Nick Bosa. They drafted Solomon Thomas. They traded for D. Ford, who was actually with the Chiefs last year uh, and who had that horrible offsides penalty that negated the, what would have been a game-winning interception to send the Chiefs to the Super Bowl last year only for the Patriots to end up coming back and win that game and become the eventual champions against the Rams last year. So, the key to the game for the 49ers is going to be the pass rush. Like I said, they don't have to blitz. They have to get pressure with their front four, which they've done all year. Now, 25 years ago, the 49ers destroyed the San Diego Chargers in Super Bowl 29, beating them by a score of 49-26. to This was the game where Steve Young finally got the Monkey off his back. And so in this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, both head coaches, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, are looking to do the same. Andy Reid has had great success in his coaching career, a lot with the Philadelphia Eagles, where they made it to four straight conference championships during his run, but zero Super Bowl rings. So four conference championship appearances in a row. One Super Bowl appearance, zero rings. So Andy Reid has this monkey on his back that they have to get a championship because he's had great success winning games, winning playoff games. But can he finally get the monkey off his back and get a Super Bowl ring and uh, hoist that Lombardi trophy, taking it back to Kansas City? Now, Kyle Shanahan probably has that same monkey on his back, too, with the way that They lost when he was offensive coordinator for the Falcons. I just spoke on that 28-3 lead they had only for Tom Brady and the Patriots to come back and win in overtime. So Kyle Shanahan, I know there's not a day that goes by where he doesn't think about that game they had, how they let it slip away. Here he is now, head coach for the San Francisco 49ers, with an opportunity to bring a championship back to this storied franchise in San Francisco. Now, whichever coach wins this game and gets the monkey off his back will definitely go bananas in their post-game celebration. And whichever side it is, it's going to be a well-deserved, well-earned Super Bowl victory for that team. Now, for my prediction, I'm going with the 49ers. You know, I've talked about that offense sells tickets, defense wins championship. We've always heard that. We've heard that time and time again. And I think this would be the same. I mean, sometimes that defense is so great that you can't do anything with it. I mean, great offense, like I said, puts people in the seats. But usually, teams with great defenses come home with a championship, especially in this type of game. And we all know how great Mahomes is, how great that offense is. But I'm not going against San Francisco in the defense. That's really where it starts, and that's where it ends. Um, like I said, you heard Rex talk about that. He said that would be the deciding factor. And I think this the defense really will really be the difference yeah, for, for both teams. Maybe the Chiefs come up and play their best defensive game yet. But uh, usually when you reach this point of the season, you are who you are. And the Chiefs aren't really good defensively, at least through the run. Now, their pass defense is really good. But like I said, the 49ers are a run first team. They don't want to throw it if they don't have to. They've shown you that they won't throw it if they don't need to. We, Like I said, 27 pass attempts by Garoppolo in the last two games. So I think when it's all said and done, the 49ers will be Super Bowl champions and the Lombardi Trophy will head back to San Francisco. Now when we come back, we're going to close the show with Triple C. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Joy FM Sports. It's more than it a game. Welcome back to the sweet spot. It's time for today's triple C segment, Corey's Closing and Comments. And what I want to share with you today is this when you run your race, it's all about pace. When you run your race, it's all about pace. Uh, everything in life is a process. You know, once you find out what God's path is for your life, it's a process. And we sometimes can get ahead of God by trying to make things happen. Happen sooner than they're supposed to, trying to get it done now. But understand everything works with God's timing. It's all about His timing. It is not about your timing, when you want it and how you want it. So remember, as you're running your race, as you're following God's path, it's all about His process and it's all about pace. Until next time, always remember there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.
0: Stay in the sweet spot on the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's
2: more than a game.